We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Today's episode, as voted on by our Patreon group, we are revisiting Major League, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Covered it with my buddy Darren Vaught way back on episode two of the show, giving a great movie a little refresh. My buddy Tommy Strafacci returning to the pod, aka Random MLB Stars on Instagram. As always, want to shout out our Patreon group for voting on these movies, telling us what to cover, especially our big chill producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Trish, James Kolusky, Chris Mikoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them, all of our patrons, for supporting this show, picking this movie, just a top-tier baseball movie. If it weren't for Bull Durham, this this would be it. This would be number one for me. If you go to patreon.com slash sports, you can vote on movies just like this one for this show to cover. we got a pull-up now for a September movie. National Treasure is looking like the front runner. It is the, uh, the year of Nicolas Cage on this show. You get schedule updates, ad-free episodes, and merch, all while supporting the show. If you want to support the show for free, just tell a friend. That'd be awesome. Tell a friend who likes movies like sports movies, likes any kind of movie. We're, we're all in at this point. But like I said, Major League, let's go win the whole fucking thing. All right, returning to big screen sports. One of my favorite guests, guy who we, we chopped it up with a couple, like two months ago now, a couple, couple months back on, on the what is the wonder that is the MVP baseball franchise. Uh, he's back, Tommy Shafachi, a.k.a. Random MLB Stars. Tommy, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How about you? How's everything? Happy to be back. Doing great, man. We, you know, we still we live in a world where you can still fire up MVP baseball like you've been doing. So that's that's a good thing, man. Tell tell the folks uh, where can they find you? What have you been up to? Your podcast, your your Mets, your your MVP baseball stream. What's going on? Well, the Mets right now they're playing the Braves and they're they're toying with my heart every night. Right, I, I don't know if we're been, getting ready to go into like a late August collapse or if we're going to the playoffs. So I I don't really know how that's going yet. They're they're too they're hurting me a little bit. But uh, yes, yeah, since we talked, I actually my 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 old PS2 is broken. I got a new PS2 
And then at random MLB stars on Instagram and TikTok follow. I've been doing a video series following a franchise that I've been running on MVP Baseball 2005, along with all the stuff we I usually do on the account. And then of course uh, a random a random MLB podcast with my buddy Greg, where we're just talking current baseball, past baseball. Yeah, everything's everything's coming up baseball. We're getting into the fall. Did you grab that PS2 off of eBay? Where'd you where'd you score that? I got lucky. So there's a like five minutes from my apartment, a little walking distance. There's a vintage video game store, and oh, beautiful. I was like, I was on. I had like 75 uh, PS2s on my eBay watch list, and I'm like, you know what? One day I just, I, one day I told my girlfriend, I like just sent their text like. I'm walking over and buying a PS2. Today's the day. And I just walked over. And now it's like I get this weird moment every now and again when I want a new game where I can disassociate and pretend I'm 15. And I walk into a store and can buy a PS2 game for 15 bucks. I'm like, this is, I don't even, I, I, I would pay any amount of money just to have this feeling again. <laughs> oh, if I could walk to a vintage video game store, it'd be trouble. It, it is be, trouble. It'd be a real problem. It's it's also right next to this really good sub place. So I'll be getting a sandwich. Oh, I'm like, you know what? Slugfest too. It happened to me two weeks ago. I'm like, Slugfest reloaded and a chicken pesto sub? I mean, it's a pretty good combo. You can't lose. Can't lose. <laughs> and uh, you, you can't lose with this movie that we're talking about tonight. We've been we've been getting to the point in the show. The show's been around for three plus years. Um, revisiting some ones from the early, early run. I covered this episode two. Uh, with my buddy Darren Vaught, a great episode. I always, you know, folks know I love chopping it up with Darren, but this was early in the run. Uh, we we've shifted the show format since then, added new categories, stuff like that, and it it's always good to talk about a, a movie that just, I mean, gonna give it away a first ballot Hall of Famer. We're talking about Major League, the 1989 baseball comedy. The new owner of the Cleveland Indians puts together a purposely horrible team so they'll lose, and she can move the team. When the plot is uncovered, they start winning just to spite her. It starred Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, written and directed by Oscar winner David S. Ward. Got an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'll ask you off the bat, can you make an argument that this is the best baseball movie of all time? I think so. I think, I, 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 I've been thinking about that a lot recently. And, you know, especially with the Field of Dreams th- uh, game the other week, I was like, I know that usually gets the, the flowers as like the number one baseball movie. And I got to say, if we're just talking like pure enjoyment experience, in my rewatch of Major League, I had a lot better of a time than I did when I watched Field of Dreams most recently. It's ultra rewatchable. It's still really funny. It's embedded itself in baseball culture, kind of something that we talked about on this show is like a hallmark of a good sports movie is if it if it puts itself into the the dialogue of that sport. Um it's it's held up surprisingly well. The baseball action looks good. You care about all the characters. It's easy Mount Rushmore baseball movies for me. Um, my heart is with Bull Durham. I love Bull Durham. Uh, yeah. Not even like a son, like a father. Bull Durham is like a father <laughs> to me. Um, but I mean, this one, it, especially on this rewatch and like doing some thinking about it in this question, it might have gotten to the point where it's 1A, 1B for me. I feel good about saying that this is definitely my second favorite baseball movie. I, I It's definitely in my, of like, I always joke and say Fever Pitch is my favorite baseball movie, but I know that can't be like a real answer. So it's like, if we're talking actual baseball movies, I honestly think my 1A, 1B is the same, but I think Major League is my 1A and Bull Durham is my 1B. This is not a Bull Durham podcast, but I could talk about Bull, Bull Durham for 
I, that's a movie where I even like my girlfriend's not into sports. I tell her she hasn't seen it. And I'm like, this isn't, you don't even need to like baseball to like Bull Durham. That's how good a movie no, it's it is. It's a must. It's a must. Yeah. I mean, I've always, I always say that Bull Durham will be the last episode of the show. It's going to be like a six hour solo pod. And then I'm just going <laughs> to nuke the show. When I'm done. I've never haven't, haven't touched it yet, but um, yeah, I mean it two, two different movies in terms of uh, best baseball movie and arguably best sports movie about a team yeah like this this is not bull durham is a you know at its heart kind of a a rom-com love triangle story about you know one guy trying to hang on one guy on his on his uh you know ascent through the minors this being a a team-centric movie and does such a good job of letting the whole team play um, spread you know, spreading the ball around it, it just it's top tier. Um, clearly you know David S. Ward like a the writer a an actual lifelong Cleveland Indians fan, um, wrote this from the perspective of a guy who knows baseball that comes through like crazy. They got dudes. They either got dudes who could play or they got dudes that they they could figure out how to how to do some camera work with like uh like Wesley Snipes. So it's um. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's pretty obvious this is a Hall of Famer for both of us. I don't think there's any argument there. Not even a question. It, it's funny that you even said what you just said there is funny. Right when I finished rewatching it, that was my first thought. I was like, I know Tom Berenger is probably the main character, but like my first thought was, who's the main character of this movie? And they're really, it, it's the team. It isn't like he is, it's about, I would say it's about him the most. But I, it's like, I think a 50, like he has maybe like a percentage split over Charlie Sheen or his love, like, a, I can't think of his love interest name off the top of my head. Uh, or Lynn. Even, yeah, Lynn. It's just everyone, everybody gets their, gets their time. It's perfect. I mean, we'll talk about this. It's arguably the hardest Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character of all time because like who qualifies and who doesn't. Like, I, I was looking into that for a while because I'm like, I don't really, I don't know. Well, I, I'll I'll prep you. A lot of the time, we'll do you know who's in the movie too much. So you gotta you gotta give that some thought. We're gonna have to make some some tough decisions. But let's let's dive into the IMDb trivia. A couple notable ones. A lot of the stuff with the IMDb for this one is stuff. And this movie is so popular. And then people in this movie, like Charlie Sheen, have become so famous that uh, a lot of this stuff is well known. Like Sheen taking steroids. It's kind of like a you know, it's kind of something that that. And it, you know, Charlie Sheen, there was that period where he was just like airing out every single possible thing about his life. <laughs> and, uh, so that came up, um, Wesley Snipes is known to be a pretty bad athlete, both this and, uh, and white man can't jump. Um, this one I like though, former major league catcher, Steve Yeager served as a coach for the actors and training for the movie. Also serving as a stunt double for Tom Berenger in many scenes when Jake Taylor would make a throw from home plate or being a home plate collision, as well as play the third base coach, Temple. I love when movies have like an actual sports coordinator, like a guy who was there making sure they're doing things right. And then it's the funny, it's the same thing with the movie Miracle, is that anyone with like a mask on, you can put an actor there because you can, it's very easy to double them out. They did the same thing in Miracle. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's really, it's, it reminds me a lot of, I was a big Friday Night Lights, the movie and the show, honestly. And I always found heard that it was uh I think it's Gaius Gaius Charles, the running back who played the uh, what was the guy's name whatever he they say terrible athlete but they would just throw the mask on him and then it looked like Reggie Bush was out there and he was just dicing people up nonstop but that's what this movie is see when you said Willie oh uh, like Wesley Snipes isn't even a good athlete I honestly didn't even think I knew this like I read it years ago 
and then completely every time between White Man Can't Jump and this, I forget that he's just not. Was in my head, Wesley Snipes is at least a Triple A ball player. Oh, for sure, because I mean he's got the fan too. So in this one, they do a good job. The uh, his run in spring training is slow mode. A lot of his running on the base pass is slow mode. Um, his one the the run in the ninth inning of the last game is it's blurry in the background. You can't really tell how fast he's going. They don't have any shots of him throwing the baseball. That's no. by design. His swing looks terrible. Uh, by design at first, but doesn't get any better. Uh, it's more noticeable in White Man Can't Jump when he you just watch him dribble a basketball and shoot a basketball. <laughs> just, it doesn't look good, especially especially compared to Woody Harrelson, who's just silky smooth. I think that's a if, if they always do like the who would you have dinner with like a last dinner before you die. I think I just want to play pickup with Woody Harrelson. I I watched White Man Can't Jump a million time. times. That would be I couldn't even imagine. Uh, speak. This is a little bit of a quick pivot. Can we get Woody Harrelson a baseball movie? I feel like we no. need. Like he needs to be like a either a grizzled manager of like a minor league team or something because I think he'd be perfect. He'd be a great goofy clubby too, like an old old clubby in the minor leagues. Like uh, what's that one with the Cubs? Um, uh, uh, Brickma. He'd be like, yeah. He'd, he'd be, be like Brickma. He'd be a the better only good part of Rookie of the Year. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Stern is Brickma. Oh, you didn't like the arm injury turning into a one hundred five mile power heater. Man, uh, the listeners of the show are probably going to be like exhausted with me mentioning this, but it is Rookie of the Year is one of those ones that you watch as a kid, you have fondness for it. If you watch it as an adult, you're like, fuck, this is terrible. Does this not hold not up. not a good movie. It does versus, not hold up. Versus Little Big League. Rookie of the Year has stolen all of Little Big League's, uh, the, what Little Big League should have as far as appreciation. I couldn't agree more. Little Big League does not. I realized that recently that I know this is, I'm getting, this is a, a podcast about Major League. Little Big League does not get the credit it deserves, I've realized. Not, not a lot of people have seen close. it. Not even close. And it's it's so good. Little Big League That's is a crazy. film. I, I think I watched that like 75 times. Like it was anyone some absurd who doesn't, number. Anyone who doesn't watch Little Big League or doesn't like Little Big League is a coward. You're all, you're a coward. You're afraid you're afraid to like something that isn't as cool. Um yeah, no. I'm with, multiple playlists have run around Sue on them in my on my Spotify right now because of it. Best best montage in baseball movie history. Couldn't, run couldn't, couldn't agree montage. more. Couldn't agree Perfection. more. Glad we've agreed on that. Um, <laughs> this this piece of trivia I liked. At the start of the pennant race montage in this movie, Willie Hayes is shown with 16 pairs of gloves nailed to his bedroom wall, indicating he had sold 16 bags in his first 101 games. The end of the montage, he has at least 78 pairs on the wall, having <laughs> stolen 62 additional bases in less than 60 games. That is uh, that is Billy Hamilton, I believe, in the 2012 minor league season when he sold like 158 bags. Yeah. That is, that is Ricky Henderson hasn't done that. This is, that is, I, I'm ha- excited to keep going through this because as I watched the movie, the inaccuracies just on a baseball level were making me laugh. I didn't even think about that, but now that you said it, I'm like, wait a minute, there was like, it did like triple in size. I, I love it that it's just like, hey man, we need to win the, you know, we got to win the pennant and just green light every time you're on the backs. Just go for it. I also like that they were doing analytics be damned on that team. They were like, we're stealing bases nonstop. If he gets on, he is running. And to, at that rate, he's stealing second and third anytime he gets on. Definitely some stuff that would, would be different uh, if, it, <laughs> if their baseball was played in, uh, in today's age. Um, last little bit of trivia, and this one's got some notoriety too. In the film's original ending, Rachel Phelps admits before the final game, 
that her bitchy persona was all an act in order to fire up the players. She says that had they not had a good season, the team might have gone bankrupt. Audiences preferred the bitchy Rachel, so the ending was reshot to show her misery when the Indians won. The alternate ending appears on the Wild Thing edition DVD. I I believe this was a great call. One of the best scenes in the entire movie is when Wild Thing starts playing and she goes, I hate this fucking song. And I'm like, it's just... I, I just last night watching it, I'm like, this is they she nails it. She she might have like efficiency rating off the charts. Every time she's in the scene, she nails it. She's Margaret Witten is absolutely on fire. It's like, just, she is yeah. so she's so good in this movie. Like an ice queen. <laughs> um, okay. Uh new newish category. It's one of the the we uh we kind of inaugurated this category on the fly when we covered speed a couple weeks ago and I liked it. So Character at the best time over the course of this movie, worst time over the course of this movie. Who for you had the best time? Ben, I feel like, you mean like the actor themselves or the 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 character? We're the talking char- which character over the so in this film, so this film runs essentially like five six months. So which character had the best time? I think it's got to be Rick Vaughn. I was thinking about it, I was thinking about this as as the movie ended. If he went from penal league to spring training invite to he makes the opening actually i I might have to i I have two arguments i i I need to go because he now makes the opening day rotation doesn't even get set down he just gets thrown in the bullpen and then he becomes out of the bullpen he's doing what felix batista is doing for the orioles right now where now he's just cool walkout song and he's like one of the most dominant relievers in i can't believe you went for felix batista not edwin diaz well because edwin diaz you know i was going to but edwin diaz at least he's been pitching felix batista came out of nowhere and now he's doing the omar sound when he comes out of the ball i'm like when did this happen like he's just now he's got now he's just a badass and he has like a 1.2 era yeah i mean it's got to be it's got to be vaughn he becomes like the cult hero. We got the t-shirts all around town. Um, that that's going to lend itself nicely financially. Movie implies that he has a ton of sex over the course of that year. <laughs> it, it does. I, but I have to argue Willie Mays Hayes. If you think about it, he didn't even go from spring train. He wasn't even, they pull him out of spring training. So he wasn't even, he went from random fan who appeared at spring training and somehow <laughs> got into camp to, running a race to stay in camp to opening day starting center fielder and then i guess he broke ricky henderson's single season steal record by the end of the season yeah. within the last month of the year that's a pretty euphoric uh like rise scores the winning run in uh in the the last game of the season the play-in game I yeah mean, it's it's a pretty good rise worst time i have an obvious candidate who's that lynn's boyfriend oh my god that guy he starts just... the movie engaged <laughs> to a former Olympic swimmer and he gets cuckolded on national <laughs> TV because she is in the, she is like, they're lifting her on their shoulders. Like the, the like at the end of this movie, Lynn's boyfriend becomes the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, t- the toughest look. I actually, I thought I ever, every time I watch that, I think like, what if this dude was just a huge Cleveland fan too? Like on top of it all, like this is his favorite team. And now he's watching them with the division and his ex fiance is getting lifted into the air by her ex. That is the most, that would make me never watch sports again. I just, oh, it'd, it'd kill it for him. I'd like, be like, it, I'd go, I'd be like Luke in Star Wars where he goes out into the mountains and they don't see him for a thousand years. <laughs> that, that would be me. Be like, I don't, there's nothing to live for anymore. 
be a nightmare. Does anyone else have a claim for worst time? I, I thought about the owner, thought about Rachel Phelps, but like she owns a baseball team. Yeah, she's wealthy, very wealthy. Like she can't have you can't have a bad time if you own a baseball team. No, that's why even her it works. I think about that. She it works out for her. Her team becomes more profitable by the end. On she becomes the Rays owner. Like she has to pay them nothing, and she's making more. I I think it's hard. It's gonna be hard to beat the guy who lost his fiance to maybe his favorite baseball team. I mean, an awful, awful summer for that guy. <laughs> that guy, yeah, I think there's a there's a spinoff movie where he that fall he loses his job, he spirals out of control. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. That's a great call. I mean, he becomes the the Indians version of Ray Finkel. Like he loses his <laughs> he loses his mind. Yeah, no, this is there is there is a dark movie that can be made about that boyfriend just of how he's out, life- Jake. no that is the perfect call i don't think anybody has it worse than him actually Uh, wait roger dorn he's on a winning team but he does like he i don't i i thought about this while i was watching him celebrate them winning the division is it really a win if like i get he punched him in the face at the end there but like your wife did just sleep with like the young stud on your team you're kind of hoping if you're the dorns Best case scenario, like you go to marriage counseling, you realize that like both both parties have been in the wrong. Probably, you know, once you're celebrating a victory and you're hooking up with a girl with TV cameras all around, not it's not the first time. Yeah, yeah, so, you're right. Uh, you know, she just she she made it a well executed chess move uh, as as far <laughs> as um, you know as far as her choice. But yeah, I mean, and even in the beginning, like. While Dorn enjoys being wealthy, clearly he is not enjoying playing baseball. So no. like he's he's having generally a, he has a bad time in spring training. He has a bad time early in the season. Seems like he enjoys baseball. Might not be he had the worst time in the movie, but after like the the next few months, not going to be the easiest of time. Like when he goes home that night, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. The holidays at the Dorn household in 1990, oh, tough. just a rough time. All a lot of resentment at those dinner tables. Tough, tough stuff. Uh, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll get into what worked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so what worked about this one? What are the reasons we come back to? Why is this a first ballot potential best baseball movie of all time? So 
I think what I think it's exa- I think it's exactly what we were talking about before. Where it is just a combination of all of, like you take all of the great baseball movies, you take uh, Little Big League, you take Moneyball, you take Bull Durham, and I think it takes maybe thirty percent of each of those movies and just makes it. It's really executes that feeling of a team and like the streak that montage where Willie Mays Hayes is stealing a hundred bases. I, I think I enjoy that just as much as I enjoy. I think the Moneyball streak montage is as good of a, mo- a sports montage as there is in sport in like a That's sports wonderful. movie. And I think this one does that in a just much more exciting and not like deep and sincere way, but in just more fun. And it gets you like for a movie that I think the first half of that movie you're watching it and it's funny and you're just going for entertainment, and then by the last game I'm invested. Like I'm getting goosebumps, and it it, it, it that. They really nail the keeping it light, but also getting you actually invested in this team and that you're actually rooting for them. It's so important. The best sports movies do that, get you in, and And part of that is it's a, it's a combination of circumstance and giving you some insight into who these characters are and spreading the ball around really good. It, Bull Durham, which I love, and it, again, it's not about the team because we don't we don't really care if the Durham Bulls are winning. It's not about that. This movie, you're invested in in like five or six guys on this team, maybe plus the manager, plus the entire scenario, and it it does such a great. It's such a well balanced movie in that. Yes, it is laugh out loud funny. It's one of the best sports comedies there are. There are still lines that make people laugh to this day. Like in, you know, in dugouts growing up, you, you know, just a bit outside and like everything Harry Doyle says, you know, st- just all this stuff. But then they make you they make you buy into the team. They put plausible sports action and a fairly plausible sports plot. Like they explain it very well. It's it's one of the things rookie of the year does really poorly is like, it doesn't explain anything that's going on really. And this, this drops you into this kind of crazy situation and explains it, makes it plausible and then puts this, you know, pretty good action behind it. And it, it leads to a, a perfect sports movie. This could have been a serious movie too. It it could have done the, it could have a hundred percent been one of those. It it, it could have taken what Moneyball did on that, that tone and it would have 100% worked. To, the, to your point with how the owner could have changed her mind and been like, I was afraid that if the, if the whole motivation was to not lose the team and the movie was that vibe, it still would have, you take the same plot and it still works. I think it was, I've, I, you're 100%, right. I, I feel like it's some, a similar like a Hoosiers aspect of a movie like that where it really is, you have so many, or um, I can't think of the movie right now, Left Side, Strong Side, why can't I think of this? Uh, Remember the times? Oh, I don't the know times. why I forgot the name of that. But even that, of where they can, it, it, some sports movies can really do that great job of painting the picture of the team through just five guys and just really zeroing in on five guys. And that's what this movie did. And even like the smaller guys, like Serrano and like, it, it just, they they really just nailed it. I, I rewatched it when I rewatched this, and this was the first time I had watched it, in like, I don't know, maybe a year or two, whatever it might be. And I was like kind of afraid that it wasn't going to hold up as much as I thought it would. And then I finished it being like, I think I need to go buy Major League Two and Three, even though I know Down on the Farm is bad. I just need to, I need to watch it all. <laughs> Down on the Farm gives us Walton Goggins, though. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. Grace. It, one of the things about this movie, and like I comment on this all the time, if you're someone who's what, you know, doing a movie podcast and you have to watch something every week, you appreciate this. It crams all this perfection in an hour and 45 minutes. It really, yeah. Yeah, like, no, it is. It's an easy watch. In- incredible stuff. 
incredible stuff. And it, it, it does all this character building in that short amount of time. And then having what I love and what works so well is having Behringer is kind of this, like the pseudo like professor, like you've got all these, all, you know, he's a has been, you've got all these new guys and Behringer walks both them and then through them, the audience into, into what's going on, explaining the ins and outs of pro ball, the red tagging thing in spring training. He walks Rick through that complete game. He rips Storm's ass. He's just the heart of the movie. Like having him to, both guide the rookies from the plot sense and then guide you as the viewer as to to what's going on with this team is like just perfect perfection by uh by uh, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is right after they break camp and that's coming off of when they do when they the entire end of camp red tagging aspect of it right when they go into the fancy restaurant and he sees that and he sees uh Lynn in the restaurant but the actual like premise of that is a veteran taking out two rookies to dinner and he's got like Rick Vaughn's got the tie over his like jean jacket I feel like a suit <laughs> I feel like a banker yeah that's what he says and he's just like and like I, I as I was watching it I'm like oh this is actually they're nailing that it's exactly what you said of this veteran who's been around once or twice and is just trying to help guide these rookies along um Tom Berenger absolutely give him an Oscar for this performance. He just nailed it. Love it. Love it. And especially it's coming like three years earlier. He's in platoon. I don't know if you see platoon. It's been a minute. Full blown fucking psycho in platoon along with Charlie Sheen. They get along a lot better in this movie, but it's (laughs) Behringer's Behringer's got range, man. I mean, this it's a great, it's just a great plot in general. Like the plot works again, 30 years later when Ted Lasso comes out, works to perfection. It's same. I, it's an, all, same I kept plot. thinking about Ted Lasso the entire time of this is Ted Lasso with, if, if Ted Lasso was a, uh, if the owner was more wholesome and started loving the team, we just get Ted Lasso. And it's what makes yeah. Ted Lasso yeah. perfect. It really is. They do the same exact formula and they spit it back out at us. It's perfect. Uh, Bob Ecker as the or Bob Eucher is the the narrator for this the uh, the the best like sports movies will often use the trope of making the team's announcer the the narrator for the movie. Euchre is as Harry Doyle is the best example of this in sports movie history. Like it, it has not been done better. I don't know if it, I don't know if this is even a hot take of because I know he I know how like important he is to Brewers fans, but I think this movie made him just like an iconic baseball voice. Like when we talk about the Vince Scully's, I think this catapulted him into that because like you said, just about outside, even the the Indians win it, the Indian win it. Oh my God, the Indians win it. He's gonna try to score. Here comes the throw. He slides. He is safe, safe. I still kind of get like I get like weirdly goosebumps and I'm like this is, and also it was just it, I think it's a different era of movie where it was like you said of it's a movie I watched 75 times because played on FX a million times as a kid and I just kept mm-hmm. watching it and it's like as you're a kid starting to love and if in the 90s to the 2000s wherever you grow is as you're starting to like baseball he is it's like a fun aspect of learning the sport and he is just ingrained in it. And I, I think it catapults him into like the Vince Scully conversation easy for me. 
half the funniest quotes from this movie are stuff he says in the booth. And with the, the cable rewatch, you don't lose any no. of them because he doesn't really cuss. He doesn't really cuss. He says the, the only thing, he says the one hit, one goddamn hit. <laughs> he can't say goddamn on the radio. Other than that, like it's, I mean, it's the, the, the sports movie announcer trope is, is well-worn for better or for worse. And this is like, nothing's ever going to beat this. It's, as as good as it's ever been yeah i i i'm i'm i don't think you could replicate this it's just and yeah. uh, well i should say i i think when i read when i first watched it i watched major league two for some reason i think that was on tv first and i liked it and then i watched major league one and it's a just a different it major league two is as good as major as good as a sequel to this could be but i don't think you could ever you can't make major league in 2022 and have the same effect no, no, absolutely no way. Um, something else that worked. Eddie Harris is a junk ball legend. He like all that stuff. That stuff that is endured too. Like the idea of oh, you put snot on the ball, like that thing. Like that character is such a type. And like I will say, every college baseball team has one old senior who can't throw the ball for shit anymore and just tries to load it up or do weird things. And I was that guy. And so I, I, I identify with Eddie Harris and such, I never put snot on the ball, but I tried some other. It's he's got, I even love the scene where he first like meets Serrano and he's like, Serrano's like in his locker and he's looking at him all weird. But if you notice, it's just such a great small detail. He still has like resin. He just got out of the shower, but he still has like a clump of resin on his like upper peck. Cause he just has so much on him at all times. He lives his life sticky. Yeah. He's always sticky. <laughs> it's what I imagine sure. Jamie Moyer went through life doing. Like Jamie Moyer in like 2010 was just had pine tar all over his hands at all times. Fucking Jamie Moyer is such a fucking king. I ran into him at a bar in Reno. He told me if you, you cut and locate your fastball, you can get anyone out. Jamie Moyer, wise words. Yeah. Jamie Moyer, he's a hero for the everyman of I'm going to throw 82 miles per hour and I'm still going to win 10 games and have like a sub 40 RA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The strikeout worst, least authentic thing about this movie. Is there, I mean, in a, in a movie like this, I think like, I know minor nitpicky stuff. Is there something to you that jumps? I, I, I I sat there for a while trying to think of something and all I could come up with is Nick nitpicky stuff of like, all right, really is a team going to come into camp with like absolute nobodies. And then I'm like, sure, but it's, it isn't, there's nothing like legitimate that annoyed. I know there was nothing in the movie that I could not get around. I couldn't get like my head around at all. I've got, I've got three that are like strikeout worthy and they're, they're nitpicky. One is one is a, a scope of 2022. The Serrano characters is kind of a rough stereotype. Yeah. There have been, there's, there's oh there's been the, and it's something that is, that is unfortunately like dogged real life Latin players for a yeah. long time that, the slur of you can't walk off the island or you don't walk off the island and things like that. That's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bummer because like love Haysbert, love the performance. The character is a lot of fun. Like that stuff, you know, in 2022, it probably gets done differently. Um, There's the actual game dynamics of there's just no chance Jake beats out that throw. He's a 20 runner. He's got blown out knees there. I mean, there's just no chance. I, you know what? I thought about this though. If, cause I, I played the game the entire time of like, who is this major league player? Who is Jake Taylor? If he's a real big leaguer. And I came up with Paul LaDuca. And if Paul LaDuca at the end of his career 
drop down a bunt in a moment like that. The third baseman's playing back. I don't know. Maybe he can beat it. If he's just gunning it, maybe he could beat it out. Paul's Paul had the juice working for him. It's, Paul Paul had the extra. Paul had the booster. Are we positive Jake Taylor? In we didn't get into steroids in this movie. I'm not positive Jake Taylor isn't at least using greenies or something. Shit. Oh oh yeah. I mean everyone's using greenies. <laughs> That's we we still have the green coffee mug at that. hundred percent. That would have been a nice touch if they would add it. I wish they that I wish that was more. I think that type of thing, like those old school baseball stuff, I wish was a little bit more integrated into the movie, but. You're like to your point. You can only, they did it. They condensed it so they didn't make it too. It's like um, it reminds me a lot of the replacements with Keanu Reeves, which is also awesome movie that does this for football, but is three hours long and it's just an investment yeah. of time. Yeah, there's one more strikeout. Uh, Jake dr- catches nine innings. <laughs> Drives over to Lynn's house in the bullpen car, and they have sex after he's caught nine innings. Just you know, also I think the the light stalking that Jake Taylor went down that road that probably didn't age too well either. No, no, (laughs) but uh, that's I mean, my man definitely smells bad. (laughs) That's that's the first time that they get intimate in like three forty years, and it's you know after catching nine innings, that's just that's tough. I mean, Lynn, Lynn, I guess a real one in that point again, like. She, her boyfriend gets left for a guy who like she, she would rather sleep with the guy who just caught nine innings <laughs> than, than marry that guy. Uh, I also, uh, I, the, the physics of it when they're, when they're about to get it on and he rips off her skirt with the bottom of his cleat. I'm like, I've worn spikes for a very long time. How sharp is his cleat that he's on impact tearing through clothing and ripping off an entire garment i was like what is he he's doing the the ty cobb sharpening spikes thing. <laughs> was he planning that out was that his move while he, he got out of the car and he was just like you know what let me let me sharpen this up just in case this comes up <laughs> <laughs> just just in case i need just in case i need to de- <laughs> declothe her with my fucking shoe. with my blade my blade foot here we go <laughs> uh for what didn't work i mean all this stuff is nitpicky if i we need to have a conversation. Rachel, the, the owner, she's essentially a genius. She found a list of nobody. She found a, an ace pitcher in, in prison. I, like she's a baseball, she's a scouting legend. It's if Frank McCourt, when the Dodgers almost lost the, when they almost <laughs> lost that, it's if Frank McCourt's wife was just all, was GM for like the the Rays and just came in like, I think we're viewing how we at it's Jonah Hill is actually <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. in. We're viewing. I mean, before Moneyball, there was Rachel. It, it literally, it really was. We want to talk about undervalued assets. She finds a guy who can throw one hundred and one in prison. <laughs> uh, that that you know that that was I guess that was replicated like twenty years later when the Rangers signed Matt Bush, but different different <laughs> circumstances. Uh, you know, their starting center fielder just out of nowhere. Uh, you know, grabbing Serrano, grabbing, Hey, you know what? I think, you know, baseball had given up on Jake Taylor and Rachel Phelps pulled his ass out of the Mexican league and he's hitting, hitting two hole catching for the, the, you know, the AL East. Champions. He's the Scott Hatterberg of the story. Yeah. And no, it, it, and Serrano, if you look on one of those, in that last game, one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, especially if you think about that stadium, he's playing right field and they hit the Yankees hit a ball off the wall. Serrano is like on the warning track as the ball hits the wall. So I can only gather if we're going to go real deep dive into this. He's got some range out there. He's it's not like yeah. he's not like he's not a statue. He is a 
can't hit a he's Joey Gallo. He can't hit a breaking ball, but he can hit if you throw him a heater, he's hitting it to out like completely to outer space. And he's covering he can field his position. He's an outfielder. I mean, Haysbert is built like a brick shit house in this movie. It's huge. <laughs> <Like> it <is. laughs> For real, it is. He's he's huge. Um, something else. It's not that this didn't work again. I love this scene. Rick gets, you know, uh, Dorn plays a prank on him, red tags him at the end of spring training, you know, goes into to Lou Brown's office, freaks out, this whole thing. He he was headed to AAA. Like, he, I mean, it, there's a good chance that, like, he, you know, he could have been back in two weeks, could have been back up to the big leagues, and then it's like an awkward conversation. Like, he's like, you know, you may think I'm shit now, but I'll catch on somewhere else. Like, no, you're you're still club property. You're going you're going to AAA. You're going to Akron. You're going like two hours away. Especially on a team like this, I have to assume they didn't stay healthy and they had they had moved up and down the forty man the entire year. Oh, in in reality, this is like a fifty five win team, and they're they're probably running out twenty five starters over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's just they're trading anyone who's worth a shit at the trade deadline. I mean, it's. It's prime time if you're a young pitcher who gets sent down to AAA out of spring. Yeah, no, they view the minors as like, well, your baseball career is over. They're like, don't celebrate in front of a guy whose dreams just died. And I'm like, I mean, I'm sure everyone likes to make the team out of camp, but they're they're right there. They're in the right spot. This isn't as dire of a situation as we're making this out to be. Rick was in prison like three <laughs> weeks prior. He's playing with house money at this point. Like a shitty apartment in Akron and AAA is a lot better than a five by seven cell with big tones. Again, Willie Mays Hayes is if I showed up to Met Spring Training next year and was like, <laughs> no, 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 you invited me. You just, you invited me. I don't know what you're talking about. You in, And I made it through a day and then ran one 60 yard dash. Was, he was allowed to stay in major league spring training. Willie Mays Hayes, arguably the deepest sleeper of all time. He's they they pick up his bunk, take him outside. He is outside for you know all morning because like they're out there, they're doing drills. They've got the you know the whistle going like, and he is just snoozing. <laughs> Can we also talk about the logistics of that? Of a team realizing this and cutting a player and being like, well, we can't cut him in person. Get get some security in there, middle of the also. Spring training is run like it's an actual summer camp and they're all sleeping <laughs> in one huge warehouse and the security comes and takes him out physically. They put his bed <laughs> right by the field. Like, let's just get you closer to the field, sir. Yeah. They don't they don't call the police. It's just like, let's take his bed. Like, sh should we should we put it across the street? Like, should we, you know, should we wake him up or have him arrested? Whatever. It's like, no, let's put it right by the field. So when he wakes up, he's gonna have know exactly what happened and be able to just <laughs> hop right on the field. Like this guy could have literally been a maniac. And also he's wearing like a whole jammy set, which if you're, he's 20. Brought his PJs to spring training. <laughs> yeah, like I'm 26. If I had a, if I had a Jamie set, I think I'd rather die than have people I view as like peers see me in it. Like that would be, I wouldn't run. I'd be like, I need to get out of here and never come back to the state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else didn't work? Any, any other, I mean, this is where with a movie like this, it's almost fun to nitpick the stuff. There's so many, there's no like big themes that don't like, uh, it works for the plot, but Lou leaving Harrison after with runners on second and third against <laughs> presume whoever's hitting in front of Clue Haywood. He's like, 
he's gassed. He's like, nah, let's let's see this out. Like a, a single in the game is essentially over. A single scores two or runs. Or even bringing in Vaughn to face the equivalent of, I'm assuming, Don Manningly when he's just owning him all year long. Like, oh, he's due. Could you imagine if you're like, could you imagine if tomorrow Rocco Baldelli just brought in like the uh, Johan? I can't even think of a guy who would be creaming Johan Duran right now, but just the equivalent of that in like <laughs> the biggest game of the year. Because and then in the post game presser, well, I figured he was due. That would make me so irate that I, he wouldn't even keep his job. It's funny, honestly. It's like if he brought in anyone other than Johan, <laughs> <laughs> like in, in that moment. It's <laughs> a very fair point. A, yeah, literally, if he brought in anyone of the at the Twins bullpen and been like, "They're due. It's fine." That would. Yeah, it's like he he walks out and it's like, yeah, br- uh, send out Tyler Duffy. <laughs> let's let's put him in with a season on the line. Like, could you imagine that press? I've seen now as a as a fan of a Buck Showalter team. Buck Showalter has so much PTSD from not using his best relievers in big games. That Edwin Diaz, we're not talking about how concerned anybody is that Edwin Diaz is doing eight out saves, six out saves in August. We have a whole pennant chase to get to, and that's how the the opposite this going wrong. So he's just doing. He's like, I'm gonna leave. I'm assuming they have other arms in that bullpen who have been effective all year have to it's literally the anti what the twins are doing right now because they won't let anyone go past six innings like baldelli would be like itching like eddie harris would have walked someone in the fifth inning and been like oh fuck get everyone out <laughs> well i think that we cannot over uh, i'll get to this in a minute well i gotta go back to the things that weren't right also the manager uh there uh, being that he was viewed as like oh we brought him out of like a tire warehouse i'm like he was a Toledo Mudhens manager. He's a Triple A manager. This is no Triple A manager. And they just won like the they won the championship. We're told like that is someone who might actually have a chance at a big league staff, and he's selling tires. <laughs> I mean, Lou Brown, the ultimate players coach. Yeah, just the guy you would run through a brick wall for that. Lou Brown passes the brick wall test. You would run through a brick wall to play for that. Absolutely. I don't know if you've been watching uh, Hard Knocks, but it's Dan Campbell. Dan Dan Campbell with uh, apparently James Gammon. Uh, I, Dan Campbell, I know, drinks like what he's like. He he's like a psycho with like coffee and energy. Yeah, he drinks like seven. Like <laughs> yeah, I I believe James Gammon was like that, except with with like hard liquor. <laughs> I think that was, that was kind of his. I think that was more his thing. James James Gammon lived uh, lived hard and fast. It's it's when it was normalized for baseball coaches to just have like a coffee cup with like three fourths whiskey. Yeah, I wonder how old he was in this movie because I bet he was a lot old. Oh no, he was. <laughs> let's see, he he was fifty nine. No, he's God. He was forty nine years I've, old. If you he had said like sixty five, I was waiting for you to be like he was thirty five in that movie. <laughs> like he's just lived. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of life in those years. Oh yeah, I mean he's a great duster though. Incredible mustache. It's I. I wish I could pull that. I wish I could grow that. That would be my life's goal. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just jealous of what you have. So I mean, this is, I'm so I'm so far from from James Gammon. It's unbelievable. I uh, during when COVID lockdown first happened, I I didn't shave it for the entire. I was like, everybody was doing. We're gonna trust test out a beard, and I'm like, all right, I'm doing I'm doing the full mustache. My girlfriend hated it, and I remember it was right around Christmas when I was at my thickest, and I was literally look, thinking he was like my my vision board of mustache. I'm like, this is it. And I just was like, I don't think I'm ever going to get there. I don't know. I think I need to get into my 40s, get a little bit more out of shape, and get just start, I think, drinking drinking battery fluid so I can get a real, like, grizzly That's voice. 
I did the same thing when lockdown started and we got like three or four weeks in and it's just like, listen, it's not there. It's not, it's not there. You know, I'm going to try, I'm 31. I'm going to try again when I'm 40. We'll, you know, we'll see. Keep getting a lot of targeted Instagram ads about things that help you grow thicker facial hair. So that's, that's uh, you humbling. Know, I got the same ones. <laughs> it's brutal. It's, it's absolutely brutal. Um, let's get into best scene, best scene in this one. Kind of let's run, run down chronologically. It's, this is this one is tough to like to narrow down. Like I mean, just just right at the beginning, assembling the team. Like Rachel, Rachel and Charlie calling people. You know, calling Jake in Mexico, Lou at the tire barn, Rick in jail. Rick, we heard about your pitching out of Portland last year. I'm not really with them anymore. Well, we'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp in Arizona, March the first. Well, I'm not sure I can make it by then. And then that, that takes you into the spring training intros. Like it gives you, it gives you the baseball card background on everyone. Like that's a, it's a great, essentially an opener. No, it is. I I think that is my, I think just being like a baseball nerd, that is my favorite, like part of the movie, the built the beginning half of the movie. I just love, cause I love actually thinking about exactly what we're talking about. They're actually building this team and, what role is Rick Vaughn actually going to fill on this squad? And Ro- I'm like comparing what Roger Dorn actually might be for like a team like this. And like, to your point, Roger Dorn's getting dealt at the deadline. If this is a real team. No, I, I agree. Oh, sure. It is the, I think that is the most complete, like I, I, it's the perfect way to build the team out and like where you actually feel invested by the end of it. Yeah. And then the, the next scene I've got is, I mean, essentially it's right after that, but the spring training montage where it just gives you everyone having a strength and a weakness, like Willie can't hit Vaughn can't throw strikes. Jake's knees are shot. Dorn doesn't try hard. Serrano can't hit a curve. Like we have, (laughs) we have our problems there. We have, we, we, it lays out clearly what everyone, like everyone's, these people are talented, but they need to overcome this. It's, it's a, it's a great scene. I, like, I love the spring training setup of it. I know. I agree. I, I, that honestly wasn't even one of the ones I had written down, but now as you're saying it, I'm like, no, that's a good call. Cause that is, I do enjoy that just as much as anything I had. Um, I also had, what's it called? I mean, well, I, you know, I talked about before was when they, when they meet up, when they find, when they're at the restaurant together and he's going and I just, everything about it, it's just hilarious. It's also giving, if it's the first dive into, this is kind of a romance movie in some aspects. It's kind of rom-com-y in as, aspects of it. And there's a real like heart to it. And it like introduces to it, it introduces it in a way of like, cause like reading it on base level, you got Jake Taylor, who's like, you assume this relationship that they've had for years, they're two jocks and he's just cheated on her a million times. Yeah. You find out Jake, big piece of shit. Yeah. Like the worst. <laughs> he's just gigantic piece of shit. All he's doing is gaslighting her. It's like, you just have, if you read it on paper, you're like, why am I rooting for this guy? And then like you watch it and it actually shows they nail like Rene Russo and, and Tom, uh, Tom Berenger just have, this actual connection and you you do end up rooting for them and like by the end i'm like why am i rooting for them like the banker deserves them he's he, de- he deserves this victory yet banker has been true yeah. and jake taylor is, is an asshole like he's it's because jake was living like a big piece of shit and then because he was an all-star or whatever and then life knocks him down and he's like man i i had it pretty good yeah he's he's the guy from high school who peaked who just really this was rock bottom and now he's like no wait you see him you see him like on thanksgiving eve and he's like i'm actually i'm more adult now now he's super adulting and he's actually oh no actually i am the 
I, I have my head on right now. We're figuring things out. I'm better person. I know where I need to be. And it's, you don't usually root for that guy, but I was root for him hard this entire movie. No, we get um we get two good game scenes before the final the like the first game the season opener is like right away Euchre's just unreal like that's where you get just a bit outside uh you know like the baseball savvy it looks good it's there's a really like a touch I really loved is when they bring Vaughn into the game in the season opener and Jake comes up and he he tells him you know what the what the the sign like second sign or what the indicator is with the runner on second. Like it just, it's just a nice touch. Like they didn't even have to include it. And that's just the mark of having people who knew baseball on the game. Like that, that game seems really fun. And then, um, the Vaughn's complete game too. Like we get, like it finds room to give us two games to get a sense of like how the team's doing. Cause first they get blown out in spring training or in the, their first game. And then it's like Vaughn throws a complete game. Like, Hey, we're, you know, we're getting there. It, 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 I think it does a perfect job. Like you're saying of just like giving you bits of the season to tell you where they're at. And it's like, they were never, it, it never made it seem so unrealistic. Like they're 40 games out. It felt like this scrap, the Orioles this year is a perfect example of like, no, they're always kind of like battling. They're, they're battling every night they're fighting. And then there's, I think one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when the janitor in Scrubs, who is 10 out of 10 cameo as the construction worker in Cleveland. Neil Flynn. He's just absolutely killing it. And he's just, the season starts and he's just tearing the team apart like everybody does with a bad team in spring training. And they go, these guys ain't so fucking bad. And it's just, (laughs) it's my favorite. I, I think I have that screenshot saved on my phone and I tweet it. Every, at least once every July with the Mets, because it's just my favorite way to describe it to Hey, these guys, hey, they're not that bad. It's perfect. And then the groundskeepers with their shitty. <laughs> yeah. uh, so good. It's so, so good. good. It's so, and that's another part of, um, I think, to your point of giving you these little pieces of the season, the fans that they have out in the outfield of when it starts off and they're debating, it's, uh, it's such a small conversation, but... Uh, when Rick in one of Rick's first starts, he throw uh, he, he he gets like he pitches and gets sent to outer space, and one of the guys like too high, too high, too high, too high, too high, and they spend the next minute debating. It's not too high, it's too hard. He goes, no, it's too high, and they're debating it. I'm like, that's actually great. That is the exact argument you're getting into in the outfield with your buddies while you're watching the game. The epitome of dumbass baseball fans <laughs> yeah. arguing over something completely, just completely useless. Yeah. Um, I split as far as best scene. I split the last game into three different scenes. Like it's, it's, it's essentially three different scenes because if not, it's easily the best scene if you're just doing, but like the initial, the overhead shot with the music hitting of the stadium is fucking fire. When it's like, it's they nailed it. Music hits the, the team runs onto the field. Like that in general, not like nothing plot development wise happens in that scene, but it's fucking fire. Hello again, everybody. Harry Doyle bidding you a big Wahoo welcome from Municipal Stadium, where tonight, before a capacity crowd of 75,000 screaming featherheads, the fighting Braves of the Cuyahoga will leave their teepees in search of Cleveland's first league championship in over 30 years. Standing in the way, their longtime nemesis, the New York Yankees. Trying to put the stop on the Yanks will be Eddie Harris, the tribe's veteran right-hander. Bonnie, anything to add? Uh, no. He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. All right, we're set to go. 
the wild thing entrance is still electric. It is it is a scene that I will watch on YouTube just to watch. And then the Hayes steel is the Hayes steel is essentially the Robert steel, and then that goes into Jake's walk off bunt. So I those like were the three essentially the the three biggest scenes of the last game because last game is like a twenty minute set. Yeah, no, it's a perfect way to split it up because just making it one doesn't doesn't do it justice. But in the when they first pan in and it, you feel like they capture that playoff atmosphere in a in a city that doesn't have a winning team. Like they they capture it so perfectly about just like that intensity in like a do or die game, and then they're all standing on the top step and they're just kind of hyping each other up, and they run out. I as I watch it, I'm like I'm getting goosebumps, like actual goosebumps watching this. This is as good as it can get. Score in that moment is is top tier. It, like it's unreal. It, it really is. It's it's I love every bit of it. And then wild thing, I. I, I argue is one of the his entrance is one of the best like sports scenes of all time like you could do it with miracle all of them like i think it's right up there it captures it's edwin diaz too we were talking about earlier of like everybody keeps talking about edwin diaz because i think at our core every baseball fan is looking for that like there really isn't a guy who has the wild thing entrance like that and Anytime someone even captures a little bit of it, everybody's all, we're all in. Rick Vaughn walked, so Hoffman, Rivera, Diaz, Papelbon to a lesser extent. Like, we, Rick Vaughn walked so those guys could walk. A million percent. Like, uh, I remember when Billy Wagner came, uh, was on the Mets, they tried to compare it to, like, they were like, oh, his entrance. I forget. I think, what did he come into? Was it interesting? No. Uh, what did he come into? I forget. Whatever it was. Um, And they were like, I'm like, they were saying how it was similar to, oh, he's trying to do his uh, Rick Vaughn thing. And I'm like, that's, we're on, it is the Hall of Fame. It is a masterclass of a closer entrance. And I don't, I think it's, Wild Thing in the scheme of this scene is better than the song itself. I, the song itself is oh, mid. Sure. And then this scene is <laughs> a sure. 10 out of 10. Like I, every for time sure. I li- watch it, I'm like, oh, I gotta get that. I gotta listen to that again. And then I listen to the song and I'm kind of bummed on how it's not that great. Is there is there any argument to the wild thing walkout being the best scene in this movie? Did I miss any of your scenes? I don't know. I think there's quotes that I think are like some of my favorite quotes and stuff like that. But I, when I I wrote down a bunch and we talked about every one of them, every time I was like, "What's the one?" I think if I I, I felt like every time if I didn't say the wild thing, I was just trying to zag just to zag because I'm like it. It is bar none the best scene in the movie because I think it's the best baseball scene, one of the best baseball scenes of all time. Yeah, I think it's going to have a double category sweep here in a little bit. Um, best quote in this movie, very difficult. My personal favorite, this wasn't hard for me because my personal favorite has always been, you're trying to say that Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh out loud every time I watch that scene. But it's that and there's so many that are, were said in every baseball dugout I've ever been in every locker room, yeah. every bus ride, whatever. Like there's so, there's so many that have endured. Like uh, one of the ones I love in the beginning, I always forget about it, but when she hands in the, the list, the spring training list with like the, the staff and it's this guy here is dead. <laughs> then cross him off. <laughs> cross him off uh, a lot of the stuff Lou Brown says that uh, this was one in college a lot that nice catch Hayes don't ever fucking do it yeah. again. <laughs> I, I, Lou Brown, everything he throws out there is pretty much a 10 out of 10 line. 
So good. And then like everything, everything Uker says, the, the one hit, that's all we got. One goddamn hit. <laughs> uh, the, the things he, the, just like the, the, the asides when Harris throws a pitch, KY ball, Vaseline ball. Like, <laughs> and stuff like that. I even, and it's, uh, when it is funny, I think the movie's even better when you do play baseball for a long time. Cause one thing we always, especially if we were like trying to get chippy and we were talking about, and we were like, close game and you're trying to get in the other batter's head and uh when jake is getting in the when rick's trying to close out the uh the complete game and jake's trying to get in the batter's head and he pops it up he goes well i don't think this one's got the distance i just the way he says it the just the cadence of it he just it's perfect i laugh every time We'd be remiss not to say, guess there's only one thing left to do, win the whole fucking thing. The, it, it's just, and I think that's the best part of the movie. That perfectly describes why the movie's so good. There's 99 hilarious quotes, and then there's like five where just these intense moments that they really get you, and you're like pumped up. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's a, the perfect balance of this movie will make you laugh out loud, but it's also can pull you right back into you actually care about these guys winning. Like it's not a lot of movies toe that line that way. No, and it's it's perfection. Um, okay, new categories. First time rolling this out. Most athletic moment in the movie. Um, I thought about this because I wish we would have done it when uh, when we covered speed on the podcast a few weeks ago. I think that would have been fun. I've got some nominees. Uh, winning, uh, winning a race from behind in your, in your pajamas and bare feet. Um, Sheen hitting one Oh one at that point in 1989, hitting one Oh one was just unreal. Um, the home run robbery of, of Willie Mays Hayes. And then, um, and then Serrano's home run in the final game, which was a fucking, I pretty sure he hit it out of the stadium. Like this one is <laughs> this 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 one is all just kind of standard. Like these are things done in games. Did did I miss any great athletic moments? No, I, the basket catch is if it happened in a real game, pretty kick ass. <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah. Pretty... Who's who's the most likely? Like if Julio Rodriguez did that, it'd be sick. It would be. You would see nine thousand TikToks about it. Just nine. Yeah. Like no you, less. You'd than... see. You'd see so many angry old white men. Chris uh, fucking Chris <laughs> Russo would lose his shit. He would mispronounce the guy's name and then be angry about it for like a good 10 minute segment of high heat. <laughs> oh God, he, he'd lose his fucking mind. Yeah, this for this one, this category is kind of like straight up. I like the the home run robbery or just like in 1989 like who it was nolan ryan and rick vaughn throwing 101 that was about it i i, I sid finch is that the the, the yeah, sid. <laughs> he's it's the three sid, of them <laughs> no it really he hitting 101 and i think and they make it seem like that's the only time he's hitting it is in that last game. imagine like just you're hoping someone he just gets four miles per hour on his fastball just purely by adrenaline I remember like 10 years ago, the radar guns at the features game were always kind of juiced. And it was like guys like coming in, trying to show out and stuff like that. And it was like everyone was throwing 97, 99. And now that's just everyone. It, it's insane. Every time I think, every time I watch a game now, of just it is the norm to throw 97. 97 isn't even fast anymore. This is, I mean, we're just kind of tangent. The f- it might be a hot take. The fastball has lost its luster for me. Like, remember how sick watching Joel Zumaya was? Like, how exciting that was? It, he had the guitar hero, in, somehow a guitar hero injury 
messed up his 101 mile per hour heater but that was all he threw he didn't even have that's why he flames there were so many of these guys uh Guillermo Moda who was throwing 99 Bruce Rondone it, it, it just all of these guys flamed out because they had no off speed but they just go up there and throw 100 miles per hour and they were the only ones throwing 100 and it's but I do wonder how much of it is is there like is there a juicing of the actual rate because like who's that kid in Tennessee who's apparently throwing 106 oh Ben Joyce is that is he actually throwing 106 I, I'm like I, I mean there's been that this advancement in development and like the the idea forever was like you can't can't teach arm strength like you can't te- and like Turns out you can. Like, not everyone can hit 105, but you can teach velocity. And it's been this huge thing of like, hey, you want to play? You got to throw hard. But like, the fastball, I just don't care anymore when someone throws gas. Like, I, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm trying to remember the last person, like, cause like this whole Ben Joyce thing was just like, oh yeah, I mean, he's not like, he's good. He's not great. Like, yeah. you know, he went, I think he went like the third round, which like if Ben Joyce had been around in 1998, even as a reliever, he's going one, one, He's go- like the Tigers drafted Matt Anderson one, one as a fucking closer from Rice. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, I can't remember the last time that someone's heat was like, I maybe Jordan Hicks. When Jordan Hicks came around, it was special. I, I, and now I think it's just like everyone's like that. When Chapman came up, I remember that being a big. Oh, that was, it was insane. And they were trying to keep him stretched out as a starter at first, and he was hitting 100 every time. I remember him, you had Jordan Hicks. I don't know, because now it's just the norm. Now it's. If you're throwing 100, but it's a four seamer, you might as well not even throw it because it's getting hit every. You need to throw a two seamer. It needs to be sink. You need to have sinking action on a 101 mile per hour fastball. Otherwise, yeah. it's useless. Now it's more like like Duran's breaker. Like, I can get juice for that. Like, stuff like that. Is, stuff like that is a lot cooler. But, like, the, the Rick Vaughn throwing 100. Like, to tie it back to the movie, throwing a 101 mile an hour pitch to strike out Clue Hay. Like, that would have been, I mean, especially with where baseball was now, that would have been national news. It, it, it would have been, well, I only, it would have been, they would, it, exactly that point. We would have seen it on the highlights of like top 50 ba- uh, plays in baseball up until like of the millennium. It would have been that pitch alone of him. Also, that is another quote of, uh, what is it? Don't, um, uh, forget the curveball, uh, Ricky. Give him Ricky, the heater. Give him the heater. It's the perfect moment. It is the perfect. Mo- no, but you're 100 percent right. If that's happening in that time, one of the best plays of the year. Yeah, it's it's why the it, it's why like the Rick becoming the phenomenon makes so much makes so much sense too. Beyond, he was probably a phenomenon beyond Cleveland. They probably had those wild thing shirts beyond Cleveland, which is now with like. Diaz, Edwin Diaz is really one of the first, like, pl- like the the trumpets is one of the first thing that I've seen that is like broken out of just baseball Twitter. A hundred, he's the, and it's funny that it's him because for the longest time he was just like this reliever that Mets fans kind of hated, but we were all like, it was the, it was the, you guys blew it with the Kelnick trade, and now it's like the he's turn of Mets that dude. The turn of Mets Twitter on that trade is heroic. I can't even I can't even describe the way they've turned from he's the worst transaction we've made in the last 20 years to we won the deal and we have the best closer in baseball. But it, to your point, not to get off t- track, um, no, I, I agree. It is. Edwin Diaz is probably the first reliever I've seen since I, maybe – and Mariano was different because Mariano was 
I don't think of, of my friends who don't like baseball, I don't think they care about Mariano Rivera. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's He's a phenomenal – Trevor Hoffman, they're phenomenal. But outside of baseball fans, I don't think people care. I have buddies who do not like baseball or don't really – like casual and below casual who have sent me clips of Edwin Diaz and like every video of it being like, this is awesome. We got to get to a Met game. This is insane. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was one of the that we're recording this the week that uh, PJ Tour players met and Tiger flew in to kind of, to, I guess, seemingly rally the troops, I guess. And a lot of content came from that. And one of the biggest tweets was someone saying it was a tweet of like Tiger when he walks into that meeting and it was the Diaz trumpets video. Yeah. And it like it broke into golf Twitter, which I know golf, golf Twitter, baseball Twitter, kind of some similarities, a lot of white guys. But uh, it, it, I mean, Diaz has transcended, and it's like, it really is the closest thing to Rick Vaughn, I feel like. My buddy sent me a TikTok this morning that made me laugh out loud of, it's a kid, and it, it's, I don't know, it, it just seemed like a normal TikTok kid, and he was, uh, was it last four hours of a 16-hour road trip with the family, and they're calling me in to close it out, and he's coming in from the rest stop with the trumpets playing in the background, <laughs> and he's hopping in the front seat, and I'm like, this is... 10 out of 10 content. This is as good as it could get. <laughs> Someone needs to bring wild thing back. I think, I think it's, time. I think so. It's, it's because it is, it's the, the pinnacle of the Edwin Diaz. Okay. Toughest category. Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. Who's in the movie too much. Who can we definitive, like guaranteed in the movie too much. Behringer in the movie too much. Who, who who's Sheen's in the movie too much to be a sporting character? Yeah, he's too. It'd be Sheen's too much, Barringer's too much. I'd honestly argue that Lou Brown. Might, yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Everyone else like splits time. Like how many? It's like who is there? There are some. I mean, you could you could say like uh, you could make the argument that it is Barringer, Sheen, Lou Brown. Dorn and Snipes are all in the movie too much. You could make that argument. I, I think you could, but I think honestly, if we're going, I think it's just Behringer and Sheen. I think they're the two that are easily like the main guys in the movie. And then like, cause there is a part of that middle, like where Wesley Snipes just becomes one of the team as the streak goes on. And Dorn kind of only pops up for like scenes that are playing off of, they're really like Dorn's in them, but they're Charlie, they're about, Rick Vaughn. So it's like, I think the only guys that the major plot points are revolving around are Jake Taylor and Rick Vaughn. Which then gives us a fucking murderer's row. It does. Supporting characters. Because it's the guys on the team. Um, Euchre's Harry Doyle is... You know what? I I think he's... I think, I don't know. I feel like he should also be in the category because he is... I don't know. I, I do feel like, even though he's not a main character, he has... Single scenes, probably more as many as Tom Berenger does, or like seventy five percent of them. What about the American Express card? Just the card. Just it's in one scene and it's it's flawless. Hello. You know us. We're a major league baseball team, but since we haven't won a pennant in over thirty years, nobody recognizes us. Not even in our own hometown. That's why we carry the American Express card. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant-type places. So you're looking for some big league club. Apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but 
We're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. What I, I it's just such a per, I, whoever wrote that. I'm like that's whenever like sometimes I'll be listening to, like comedy podcasts. I'm like I could be a writer, and then I see that I'm like nah. It's like how they came. There's a perfect scene. <laughs> it's great. It's great, and it's been like replicated over the past thirty years. Um, you know, Margaret Witten is is Rachel Phelps. She's great. Uh, shout out Pete Vukovic as as Clue Haywood. Pete Vukovic won the. Did you know this one? The eighty two Cy Young. I did not. Yeah, he did. This is, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about the Johan getting robbed of a Cy Young. Uh, this, this is an ultimate robbery. He won the Cy Young with. Uh, you need to get. You need to look up the boat. I'm looking this up right now. Uh, 2.8 B War. Oh, <laughs> uh, few, tied for fewest war of anyone in the top ten in voting. Oh my god! An absolute highway robbery of a Cy Young. Oh my god! That that is. See, that's like one you go, you can't go too far back in baseball. What year is this again? 82. And I think the voting, I think uh, if I remember correctly, Dave Steeb had like a 7 7 B war and threw 288 innings or something like that. Like, it's amazing. That is insane. Yeah, no, this is when you can't even go back and look at baseball reference for like the, any of these things because it's just so criminal. Yeah, I just got it up now. Where is it? Uh, Hold on. I have to see the numbers on this. Uh, regardless. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Dave Steve had 7.6. Rick Sutcliffe had 5.7. Everybody Jeez. outside of Dave Quinsenberry and Jeff Zahn, of anyone in the top 10 of voting, had at least double Pete Vukovic's B War. <laughs> I mean, the trophies last forever, baby. That thing is on his wall and it is there. I, I I can't imagine there's a better character, like a better life than Pete Vukovic of where you can win the Cy Young, pitch in the big leagues for 11 years, being in a pinnacle baseball movie, and then I'm assuming just retired into somewhere in Florida where he was a baseball coach and just kicked ass for the last, like... Oh, yeah. I hope he's, <laughs> hope he's living a nice life. Uh, yeah. Okay. Who's our best supporting character? I have a hot take. I have a hot take. Okay. It's Lynn Wells. Ooh, that is a scorching take. It is a scorching take. I think that her relationship with... I think Lynn Wells and Jake Taylor's relationship takes this movie from being a very good movie to an like excellent movie, like a great movie. This is because you love rom-coms, though. <sighs> very fair. This is very this is fair. A very personal pick. Here. It is, a, but I think it is. I think it's the mo- I think it's the part that makes the movie not just for baseball fans. I think that kind of like is the glue that keeps the story going it's like adrian and uh, not this might be a, a stretch but rocky and adrian of like yes the boxing is great but it's the love story that keeps the story going i think it's i feel the similar way about these two on a lesser scale. <laughs> this is better than rocky and adrian because like adrian is legitimately like, uncomfortable in that movie like she is so she is so diminutive and like just Adrian's just not with it in Rocky one. And it's, it's, I don't know. Rocky one is a weird. It's a very, it's uh, I think all of these movies, they take light stalking as a very, they're like, nah, it's fine. You can, you can, as long as nobody calls the cops, you can stalk apparently in all of these movies. Oh yeah. If we're saying he's eligible, I'm saying it's Lou Brown. Uh, yeah. Also we did, we did mention, uh, Chelsea Ross is Eddie Harris. Love Eddie Harris. Like it might, it might, might be Eddie Harris. I also, I want to, I would like to make a case for Roger Dorn because I think whenever he's yeah. in the scene, he's hilarious. Carbon, uh, Corbin Burnson, ex- like supreme sports dickhead. 
just plays it perfectly. <laughs> he does. He nails it. I, he's the one character I, I kept trying to think who is like his comp as a big leaguer, and I couldn't find it because I think he's just so perfect. He basically, it's like um, he basically created that character and just nailed it. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. We're obviously not here to talk about Major League Two. We probably will here in a few care in like a few <laughs> minutes, but his he's the most different besides literally, yeah besides literally omar epps being uh willie mace hayes but like his character he goes from like this i mean it's a he's the straight man in this movie like there's not a lot of comedy with him like he's he's serious like first he's an asshole then he becomes a serious vet and in major league two he's just a big old spoof yeah essentially like he's just like such a, like a, he's kind of like an oddball insecure uh he's he's there strictly for comedy which is really interesting i also want to know when a bill uh, i what i can assume as a bill miller-esque third baseman had enough money to buy a major league franchise somehow oh yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll we'll have to we'll have to take take on major league two we'll loop in we're gonna loop in darren who covered major league one with me we'll all cover major league two but there's a lot to dive in um <laughs> newish category the glue guy character what what character does this movie hinge on who does this who does this not work without i think for this one it's it's kind of i feel like it's not always going to be the lead this category and if it is i'll probably scrap it but i, I feel like it's barringer like yeah the glue guy in this one i i wrote him and i wrote i actually did write lou brown of i don't think it works without him as the manager i think he's the perfect like he's the perfect like nucleus of this team but yeah it's one of the two of them it's the veteran presences yeah um roster moves recasting this in any way i i didn't have any there's not a single actor i would i would want to recast the only thing i've got is that if you could have gotten a mattingly cameo would have really enjoyed I, this is what i had written and i know you're gonna i i wish they had done what little big league did which was just get the yankees in there like how they had the mariner just get the yankees in there and have mattingly have just you could give me five of them i think it would have made it I think it could have made it a little bit cooler, maybe ten percent better, but it would have been a little bit cooler. Get uh, get Ricky, get Willie Randolph, just get a bunch of get a bunch of eighties Yankees, like be super in for that. I think that would have made it. Yeah, I think it would have made it feel a little bit more intense and fun. But I, they did a good job anyway. Yeah, uh, the big chill moment that uh, that for you know for first time guests, this is like Roy Hobbs knocking out the lights in the natural moment that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. We've kind of. We kind of, I mean, the wild thing moment is the top the Mount Rushmore big chill moment in sports movies. Yeah, it's it's that. There's you can't come close to it. I, I wrote down them coming onto the field to start that game as a number That's, two. Yeah, but number one, it's I, it's an all timer. You can't beat it. Vaughn, I know we hadn't done very well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's due. Good job. Good job. it's i mean literal perfection it's oh my god it's i really i I think i'm probably gonna re i just watched the movie last night i'm probably gonna rewatch that scene again today it's great it it, i mean it always hits like it's one there are a few sports movie scenes i go 
I, I talk about this, like I, I'll, I'll watch on YouTube. Like this is one, the beginning of the last round of Creed is one. Like that's, <sighs> that's one that gets me out of my chair. Just in it, it's the music thing too. Like yeah. big chill moments with music. It's the thing. It's, it's why the natural works so well too. It's not just the circumstance. It's that he, he hits the ball. It's like silent, the crack, and then the theme starts and it's just like, Oh fuck, kill me. Like take me. It's, it's Oh God, that is, it's, you got me with the Creed scene because that one, I remember being in the theater just like shadow boxing to myself, just like, oh, this is just unbelievable. <laughs> Could run through a brick wall for the Creed scene. Oh, God. Um, last category. So th- this one would be before more restore, prequel, sequel, remake. Obviously, we've had, we've had two sequels, uh, Major League Two, which is like, hey, let's run it back and do the same exact thing. We had back to the minors, which like, Hey, we got Walt, Walton Goggins. That movie's a lot funnier if he's playing Baby Billy from The Righteous Gemstones, but it's <laughs> he's in he's in the minors. It's is it time to revisit this? And like if they revisit the Major League IP, what does this look like in 2022? I don't think you can make it in 2022. I don't think this movie has the same charm. I don't think baseball's the same anymore, and I don't think it has that cuz I think you're dealing with a very specific era of baseball and sports where it's just like these Baseball was dirt dogs. They're just like gritty guys. You patch together a team and it works. I think, the, honestly, I think the 2022 equivalent of this movie or 20, whatever year it came out, if you make it more serious, is Moneyball of a team where a team of guys who shouldn't be there and then they are. And it's just this epic moment. I think it's that. I don't think you can make, I want more baseball comedies. But I do not want, I would never want a major league remake, like how they're doing White Man Can't Jump now. I don't want that. Oh, I, I'm, I'm out on that. Major League is Moneyball. If Major League also, if at the end of the movie it mentions that like the shortstop that had no lines won the MVP <laughs> and that every pitcher other than Harris and Vaughn were the three best, they had the, the best starting rotation in baseball. Dude, I can't even tell you how many times I've sat down being like, I'm going to make a video on just the things that they left out of Moneyball and I can't keep it under a minute. I, I cannot, like, I, I feel I have to leave stuff out and I'm like, I can't do it. When we did the episode, did it? It was me and the the guy Bobby Wagner and Alex Baisley from Tipping Pitches, oh, yeah. and we went about it as uh, we we took the first part of the episode, like the the first thing we did essentially after introing the movie is let's talk about what baseball wise was was just in, like what they didn't mention, and then we're gonna scrap it and we're gonna talk about it as a movie, and like get it, we we got it all out there, like. No Hudson Zito Mulder, no Miguel Tejada, no Jermaine Dye, no Eric Chavez. That team was loaded. And then, like, we get it all out. Like, Art Howe was fine, fine dude. <laughs> like, all that stuff. And then uh, and then we just appreciated it as a movie, which I think you have to do with Moneyball. Moneyball, I always I, – I have a similar thing whenever I talk about it. Of It's not even – it's the – the absurd nature of to the things they cut out. We can you could put to the side that they cut out the fact that Miguel Tejada won AL MVP. They cut out easily one of the best rotations I've ever watched in my entire life. They're just like, eh, they're ragtag bunch, no big deal. It would take literally two sentences of dialogue. Like I thought about this deeply that it would it would take Jonah Hill's character saying like, yes, you've lost you know, you've lost this production, but you have a great core 
and you can replace this production a lot cheaper than you think you can because then he goes into the island misfit toys and efficiencies in baseball that thing like losing this is not the end of the world because you got this core and you can you can find replacement players cheaper than you can and like boom it's like oh okay yeah they have they have this great core like it it took it would take two sentences but if you go into moneyball trying to watch it like a documentary trying to watch it like you read the book then it's it's gonna let you down. I'd argue that it would have made that whole scene with Kevin Euclid better of if he had actually addressed how good the team was. Because I honestly have always felt that the I I know the part in the book they're talking about, but I always felt that the Kevin Euclid part of that end of the movie was kind of crowbarred in there. And I'm like, this doesn't really fit. But if you, I, I actually now I'm sitting here wishing that's the way it ended. Because if they had just gone over just a short and Eric Chavez, who's in the movie as a side character, Eric Chavez pops up a couple times. And he is like the franchise cornerstone. It's just my go-to stance in MLB The Show 06 for all my creative players gave me Eric Chavez stance. I don't know if I have a stronger take than Eric Chavez as a Hall of Famer if his his body doesn't give up on him. Oh, for sure. He was otherworld. He is the exact... Him and Nomar are two guys that I think... Do not get Dude, talked I'm, about. I am driving the. I would put Nomar in the Hall of Fame for sure. I like 90, you could tattoo it to my famous, chest. Like that. It's like man. I am. I am here. Like I think my Hall of Fame philosophy is here for a good time, not here for a <laughs> long time. Listen, no offense to Craig Biggio, but like think about what Nomar's peak was, and Craig like Craig Biggio got to three thousand hits, and yes, he put up a couple like seven more seasons, but like what Nomar was like Noma. Like, give me that in the Hall of Fame. Like, that is Hall of Fame worthy. That guy should be celebrated. It, for Nomar, I think if he had pulled together, like, two more seasons, if he had been on the 0-4 team, if he hadn't gotten traded, and he'd still been good, and then pulled together, like, one or two more, like, decent seasons after that, I think he probably has a stronger case. But for Nomar, it ended so quickly, like, so early. It's, it's, I, I do, that is my number one thing that gets me the most mad of any baseball take of all time. Because Nomar, people do not talk about, there is a streak from 1998 to 2000 where if you're going A-Rod, Jeter, Nomar, he is statistically the best of the three. He's otherworldly. He is, the Red Sox are having this trend, they are becoming the Red Sox and it's because of him. He's SNL's making jokes involving him weekly. He, and then I, I don't think there's another player who fell out of the consciousness of baseball fans like he did. Maybe Sammy Sosa for, other, but that's like a steroid thing. Just purely, he got hurt. He went to LA, and even as a Dodger, as a first baseman, he's an All Star in 2006, and he just gets thrown out the window. And I'm like, we just. Can we take a minute to appreciate he's not some journeyman. He was one of the he was a top five player in baseball for a good half decade. It's crazy. It's it's kind of like his career. It's like an NFL running back career. Yeah, it's like he gave us, you know, he gave us seven or eight amazing years. And then we lost sight of him after he was 30. It's kind of it's kind of that same thing. Like it's it's guys like him it's like if brandon webb could have had two more good seasons i'd be all for putting him in the hall of fame it's oh my like god the, brandon webb like is filthy. some guys some guys reach such an incredible peak and just fall off so fast and it's dude from sad i had to call it up i know this is not major league but i had to call up just to just to really drive this home 1999 he hits 357 with 27 homers and 104 rbis not 2000 he hits 372. He wins the batting title twice and he hits another 21 homers. He's and he's playing shortstop. He's like 
not even good. It wasn't good. He's an elite shortstop. He's the best. I still think Peak Nomar is one of the best shortstops I've ever watched in my entire life. He's as good as A-Rod. The, after just watching six parts of the Captain documentary, and he gets 15 minutes. And I'm like, we're doing – they did the A-Rod, who's better, A-Rod, Jeter thing. This isn't even a debate. It's not even a debate Nomar was better than Jeter in his prime. They they did – it was the Jeter, Nomar, A-Rod thing. And then uh, who else was in that picture? Was it Ray Ordonez who was in that weird – Yeah, with the, with the, the shirts on. Yeah, Ray Ordonez sneaks in. <laughs> That's legend. <laughs> um, it's – yeah, it, it's so like it's so weird because like it wasn't like he played for the like I'll throw my team. It wasn't like he played for the Twins. Like he played for the fucking Red Sox. I I really think is because they shipped him off right before they won the title. I think that yeah, did a lot of damage. I I think you know I was just at Red Sox Yankees this week past weekend, and that was one of the things I was looking for to see how many because it's like I think about it. I go to a Met game. I'm a Mets fan. I go to a Mets game. There's a million Mike Piazza jerseys. There's like David Wright. It's a, I would think David Wright's the equivalent of Nomar and, and Nomar's a much better player than David Wright was million David Wright jerseys. You don't see many. No, I, I think that's the main thing is he was a big name in a big fan base that cause they won the world series in such a heroic fashion after getting rid of him. They kind of even like put him. they don't really view him in their Mount Rushmore anymore. And when they had they had new guys right away to pour themselves into, like they had Poppy and Manny, and Manny yeah. was just the biggest thing in the world at that point. Versus like when a David Wright leaves, there wasn't like who are the Mets latching onto exactly. Like, like it's still like since like Pete Alonso, it, it it's taken until Pete Alonso or Lindor to have someone to latch onto, and like it, Nomar was like, yeah, he left town, but like, hey, we got Manny. Like, what do it- what do we need Nomar for? For I honestly don't even know if there's a player right now in baseball who has the hold of his fan, his fan base like Nomar did from like 1999 2001. It wasn't because re- it was also you had the tie-in of like Jeter and the Yankees and the Red Sox being like, well, we have the we're our team we are just as good and we have the better shortstop. And anybody who wanted to be realistic about it knew Nomar was better. And that was the thing they died on, and then the hill they died on. But then when they won the World Series, they kind of like could let the point go and. It just go. It, it it's a it is a shame and it kills me as a fan because he's one of forever one of my favorite players of all time and he gets talked about like he was a veteran just a journeyman just a guy who just kind of got through it and never really sniffed Hall of Fame numbers like no he there was up until two thousand three you would have been like Nomar is destined for the Hall of Fame I'm sure there were multiple articles of being like feature Hall of Fame shortstop Nomar Garcia Parra oh. it's it's sad man this has been an incredible tangent. <laughs> We just did like ten minutes on no more. Man, I I think if any, I think if on my like my wedding day one day, if someone brings up Nomar while I'm on the altar, I'll go on a ten minute spiel about it because I you can't say his name without me you getting grab grab the mic from the officiant and be like, listen, I'm gonna let you finish with Nomar should be in the hall. Hold, of I know we're doing something here, but let me just pull up Nomar's B War in 1999. <laughs> let's just talk facts. All right, let's talk facts here because he's the best shortstop I've ever watched. Now he's. It's a shape back to major league, but I'm ha- I'm honestly thrilled that Nomar has gotten his flowers on this podcast. It's it's the least we could do for this guy. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we kind of summed it up. Like major league is needs to be preserved in amber. Yeah. No sequel, no remake, whatever. I I'm I'm good. Um, the the sequel. I think we'll have to reconvene. We'll have to bring the meeting of the minds for the major league two thing. But like my major league two take will and always be that they should have used actually used the time 
to like not say it was the year after yeah. it should have been five or six years later. And it's, they haven't been able to get over the hump and Rick's getting dead arm and all this like would have been, would have made more sense, but that's, that's uh that's a discussion for another pod. Tommy, always a pleasure, man. Got to do this again sometime soon. Tell the folks again where they can follow you, what you're doing. Dude, love coming on here. This is as fun as it can get. Uh, at random MLB stars on Instagram and TikTok. Just fun talk about baseball, light, fun, breezy, easy. Um, that was a weird slogan way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of no more uh, talk. A lot of no more talk. I'm, I'm a little lightheaded. Yeah, at random MLB stars on Instagram and TikTok, at Tommy on Twitter, and then a random MLB podcast on literally any podcast platform. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review if you're an Apple podcast or Spotify. If you want to support the show and vote on movies that get covered like this one, I should have mentioned at the top, patrons voted to recover this episode, cover Major League, so hat tip to them. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash sports. If you're a baseball fan, if you enjoyed that last you know, 10, 15 minutes of Nomar Talk, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That's presented by Baseball America. Tomorrow, really fun episode talking to the star of the 2009 Parkview Little League uh, Little League World Series champions, Kiko Garcia, former Pepperdine right-hander. We talk about the Little League World Series, talk about life at Pepperdine. We talk about playing for Team USA, a lot of fun stuff there. So baseball fans, check that out. And for Big Screen Sports, we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.